Good morning, friends. Welcome to worship. Let's stand together and praise our risen King. I was buried beneath my sin.
please be seated. Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here at First Pres. And for those of you in the room and those of you joining us online, we're so glad that you're here for Summer Sunday. Did anybody else have a kid who was racing out the door this morning to come because of the bounce houses? Yep. We are so excited um, for all that's going to be going on with bounce houses and really everything that's going on all summer long. For those of you in the room, you saw on your seat we have a calendar of events for families, for adults. On the back, there's stuff going on for teenagers this summer. We said, let's ramp it up in the summer. Let's make it even more fun, more activities, things that are going to draw more people in. You know, God has gifted us with this amazing space and property, and so why not serve our community and our neighbors by hosting these things? And, you know, the intentionality behind it has a lot to do with the character of Jesus. Jesus is a God of fun and relationships. Throughout the Bible, you see Jesus at weddings, you see him at parties, you see him at dinner parties. He was always on to the next event. And so we, as his children, we want to live a life full of that excitement as well. And so our motto here is real relationships, real transformation. We believe that when we invest in relationships with each other and with our God, that real transformation takes place in our hearts, that we become more and more into the men and women that God created us to be. If you're new, we're so glad that you're here. We have connect cards that you can access online. You can access them outside just so that we can get to know you and serve you better. We would love for you to fill that out. And if you could please pray with me. God, thank you so much for uh, just the fun of who you are, that Jesus, you are a God who loves big and who loves well. And what a joy it is that we, as your children, get to worship you. We get to enter in on this grand adventure of life that you've invited us into. And so I pray for us this morning, Jesus, during this next hour of worship, that we would lean in to your character of who you are, that you love us and you made us and you have so much for us. God, we pray for our kids who are back there this morning, just so excited and ramped up and ready to go. Jesus, may they know your great love for them. That May this morning be something, just a taste for them of your goodness, um, that they would know you more, that they would come into a relationship with you, Jesus. God, we also pray uh, for a family in our church, Jenny and Roger Pierce, on the celebration of their fourth little baby girl. Uh, God, we just thank you for their family. We thank you for big brothers and sisters um, and just their new life together as a family of six. God, we give you our hearts and we give you um, our lives this morning, and we just thank you for the ways um, that you guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're interested in joining the church or learning more about the church, Fitz and I would absolutely love to invite you to our home for a super relaxed, casual dinner around the dining room table. And we'd love to have you come on June 15th. It's a Wednesday night. And if you'd like to come, just grab me after church or text me or just let me know if you'd like to join us. Now, if you think that VBS is just for kids, Rachel Godin, our director of children's ministry, is going to convince you otherwise in a video that has been top secret until 
this morning, none of us have even seen it. So she said, get ready for a surprise. So enjoy. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to really, really, really want some volunteers now. In the near future, it's coming fast. In only eight weeks, they'll have a blast. Now you will not be wasting your time. If we work together, we will be just fine. just begging in a super cute way, right? But the truth is, we need you. So much so that a team of us have been praying that God would stir the hearts and lift up grandparents, dads, college students, moms, teenagers, you name it, to serve Jesus by loving his teenagers, serving on the team for Vacation Bible School. You can serve one day. You can serve two days. You can serve all week long from July 25th through the 29th. But I'll just, I'm begging for her. Pray about it. Think about it and see how you might squeeze that in a little bit. You know, the only story that we have from Jesus' later childhood was when he was 12 years old 
and his parents couldn't find him. I mean, they looked everywhere, and finally, they found him reading scripture and teaching scripture in the temple where the Jewish people worshipped. And what's really kind of funny is what he said to his parents when they found him. He said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Well, that's what the children in this church are saying. Our children love being here in the father's house because of the way that Rachel Godin and her team bring the love of Jesus and the stories of Jesus alive for them with bounce houses and more. It's happening here. And so one of the most profound ways that you can give back to God is not only with your financial giving, but also by investing in the lives of children with the gift of your time by serving on the VBS team. Pray about that, but thank you for your generosity. Here are five ways that you can continue to give, or you can use the generosity box in the back of the room, or you can grab Rachel and let her know you're ready to serve. God bless you for that. Friends, let's stand together.
a gray-headed woman in her early 80s says to herself, you know, I've wanted a convertible my whole life. So she makes the decision, and off she goes. She shops around. She ends up in a BMW store, and she buys herself a ragtop BMW. She's got herself a fine Beamer, and it even has a peppy little engine in it. She says, well, I'm going to take this thing for a drive. So off she goes on the road, and she gets out on the interstate. Let's see what it can do, she thinks to herself. It goes faster and faster, 70 mile an hour, obviously, but she goes to 75, 80, 85, 90, 95 miles an hour. She's flying down the interstate. She whistles by a state trooper who's in the vehicle with the gun on it. So the trooper puts on the siren and the lights and everything and chases down the, the gray-headed woman. Somewhat scornfully, the trooper walks up to the vehicle from having parked behind it. This trooper's a woman. Looks in the window and says, with a f kind of a frown on her face, license and registration, please. The driver hands her the license and registration. Trooper looks at him, looks back at the woman, says, ma'am, you were driving 95 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone. It's 4.55 p.m. It's Friday. I'm scheduled to go off duty in five minutes. It will take me one hour to write you up. I'm tired. I want to go home. If you can give me an excuse I've never heard before, I won't write the ticket. <laughs> the driver, Mrs. Grayhair, looks back at her, channeling her inner Thelma slash Louise, and says, 13 years ago, my husband ran off with another woman. She was a state trooper. I thought you were bringing him back. <laughs> trooper looks back at her and says, have a nice weekend. <laughs> That's a good joke. But we're going to walk away today with one more thing about forgiveness. If nothing else happens in the next few minutes, before you run outside when we're finished with the Lord's Supper and play on the bounce house or watch your kids play, and once you're outside and play on the bounce house, you will be able to get a popsicle. Okay, I know you came just for the popsicle. Before any of that happens, we're going to talk about Jonah the last time. This is week four, and we're going to talk about bitterness and the need to forgive. That's how we're going to land this plane. For you and for me. Don't leave here unless you're, don't even stay. You can get up and leave right now if you don't want to think about the possibility that you hold bitterness inside and that you need to forgive. And we're going to wrestle a little bit more with what Jonah seems to be wrestling with. So we're going to start with Jonah. There are four chapters. This is the fourth Sunday. We're going to read the fourth chapter. The first verse of chapter four somehow didn't make it up on the wall. So it's just going to stay blank. And I'm going to read for you the very first verse of chapter 4, and then, and then we'll go back and we'll go further in the text. Here's the first verse of chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry, bitter. Okay? What is it, is the this, that embittered and angered Jonah? Well, it's verse 10 of the previous chapter, which I have down in front of me, and I'll read that for you. 
Remember, Jonah was sent to tell these bad people that God loved them, but they were bad, and they needed to turn around and change their ways. And God continues to say, I'm going to get this thing done. And what he means is, I want the whole world, every human being on the planet, every family under the heavens to experience real relationships, real transformation. That's what God, and God is saying, I'm going to get it done. And Jonah, you're going to help me. And Jonah said, no, I'm not. But finally, Jonah went, Jonah went and here's what the, Jonah is mad about. Here's what his bitterness is about. Jonah, in chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw what they did, that is the Ninevites, and how they turned from their evil ways, the Ninevites heard the message and turned. They got it. When God saw that the Ninevites, uh, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. In other words, God somehow in his mercy forgave these people who were bad. Jonah can't take it. He's angry. Again, it's not up on the wall. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is Jonah's response to this 120,000 people saying, I was wrong. I'm going to get it right. I'm sorry. Jonah says, I'm angry. I can't believe that you did this, God. Jonah is, Jonah is bitter with God because God loves Jonah's enemies. And again, the walk away for us is not global, although you may have some global in bitterness inside you. There's plenty out there today that would irritate the crud out of us and does irritate us. But today I want to be personal. I want you to be able to, to think, who is it that hurt me? Who is it that wronged me? You may know them intimately. You may never have met them. Either way, you got hurt, and you're carrying it around inside. And we don't want to be like Jonah. We don't want to keep it inside and be angry at God for loving them or giving them a second chance or being merciful. No, we don't want to do that. So we are kind of teasing out of this a principle. And the principle is this. God's going to often ask you and me to do things that we don't want to do. Or slightly differently, God's going to ask us to do things that we don't understand. And that happens. Here's, here's Jonah's posture. You ready? Jonah is wanting God to smite the bad people. Now, I can't help but think of Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, and he's on his knees in the street. Smite me, Almighty Smiter! I, I just think that's a fantastic illustration of this because he's so mad about life not being right and fair. And Jonah is too. See, Jonah's fighting with God who somehow has mercy and God somehow makes God addresses him because he's righteous. It's merciful and righteousness. And mercy means I don't get what I deserve. Mercy means in spite of who I am, like the driver of the car, I didn't get the ticket. This, the, the trooper had mercy. And right, justice or rightness means I must do something about wrong. Wrong can't just be pretended that it isn't wrong. And that's what God is always going to do. God is always going to say, I'm going to let you, I'm not going to do to you what you deserve, but I'm also going to do something about the wrong. That's why we have a cross. That's why we're celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is what God has done about the wrong. So God is merciful, meaning doesn't give us the, the, the final conclusion we deserve at the mercy of the court. 
begs the 85-year-old woman, don't write the ticket. Right? That's what's happening at this table. Jonah can't get it. Smite them. For example, who, do I want, who does Jonah want God to smite? Those scum. The Ninevites. And then here's the other thing Jonah wants. And God, I want you to bless people who I want you to bless. And first in line, me and my peeps. That's what Jonah wants. Jonah simply can't put the two things together of God being merciful and God being righteous and making things right. And so when the real God keeps showing up, not Jonah's counterfeit God, when the real God keeps showing up in Jonah's life, Jonah just has a meltdown. That's what he does. He just can't take it. He can, he, he's, it's indiscernible, this puzzle to Jonah, of mercy and right, rightness, righteousness, goodness, justice. Those things, and Jonah can't put them together. God, why can't you just hate them? I know you felt that. I know you've wanted somehow to believe that somehow that, that God could also hate them. That's what you've wanted. And Jonah just runs away from grace. He runs away from God. He's, he's bitter. He does not understand how God could have any compassion whatsoever for his, for his enemies. So we're going to read, keep reading here. We're now we're in chapter, all that was just verse 1. Verse 2. He prays, that is Jonah, to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? In other words, a long time ago when God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them about me. He said, no, I don't want to go. And this is what I tried to forestall. I tried to get out of it by going to Tarshish. In other words, Nineveh is east, Tarshish is west, and Jonah got on a boat and went to Tarshish. Remember, he gets swallowed by a fish and puked up on the beach back on the east, and off he goes to Nineveh. He got the, that part of it he got. It, this, this, I tried to forestall all of this. I didn't want to deal with all this. I, melting down. I knew, look, watch this next line. I knew you were gracious and compassionate. Now, here we are about God's character. And Jonah knows enough about God. He said, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Hey, you, God, relent from the ultimate calamity that you have every right to crash on the people. And Jonah, in that last line, he's just quoting another part of the Bible. Exodus chapter 34, he's quoting it. He's saying, uh, you, we already know this is who you are. And so Jonah, again, he's torn. He, he doesn't like who God is, and he doesn't like what God does. He wants God to nuke his enemies. He can't take it that God would love his enemies. Now look at the, what Jonah says next. Here's Jonah's conclusion. Watch what he does here. Lord, take away my life. He's so bitter, he's killing himself. Take away my life, for it's better me, for me to die than to live. No, it's not, Jonah. No, it's not. We can do better than that. So here's a second kind of dynamic that's going on with you and me and also with Jonah. And we've said it this way. We're going to be metaphorical about it. We've said you can always find a boat that will take you from where God wants you to go to the opposite direction. If God says go to Nineveh, uh-uh, I'm getting on a boat, I'm going to Tarshish. And let, let that be a metaphor for us. Jonah has become so embroiled that the boat he has taken to the, in the wrong direction is a boat where he's just wishing he wasn't even alive. Self-destruction. 
It's not the direction that God wants for him. It's not the best that God has for him in a real relationship with, with God that transforms us. We become the person that God made us to be. And he's running from that because he's so angry and bitter. And then, so Jonah has mistaken. He's, he thinks it's about him. It's not about him. You, you and I get to thinking that life is about me. I'm just telling you, welcome. If this is a principle that's operational for you, welcome aboard. It ain't about you. Who, what? It may be about her. <laughs> we have the default for us and the default for Jonah is we think it's about me. It ain't about me. It's for me. God is compassionate, loving, slow to anger, abounding in love. Oh, yeah, it's for me, but it's not about me. It's about God. This is about the character of God. The almighty God who made us wants to put everything back right again. And it's about God's great person of who he is and what he does, and it's not about us. We get the bennies, no question. Oh, my gosh. How great is it to be a person who's discovering this stuff? who's transforming, but it ain't about us. And see, Jonah's stuck there. He thinks it's about him. And he wants to make some people ineligible. How could you even reach that conclusion? How could you say those people aren't eligible for God's compassion and love? The only way you can do that is to make it about you first. And that's what he's done, and that's where he's stuck. He can't take it. God's mercy and God's justice, they go together, and he wants to pull them apart. He only wants the good stuff. He does not want God to deal in a right way with wrong. Jonah only wants what he wants. Well, on we go. The, the Lord says to Jonah back, Dude, do you have any idea what's going on here? Or translated, is, is, is it right for you to be angry? <laughs> and the answer is no, he has no clue. So on we go with the text. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. If you'll pardon me for a moment, I'm going to enact this a little bit. I want you to imagine a poolside cabana in Vegas. You ready? Okay, so you guys, you guys are already dressed up. I'm not. I'm getting dressed up here, if I could. Got the shades. I got the hat with the aggressive hawk feather, hoping it would help me not lose money playing golf, but I lose money anyway. And the cup. <laughs> I thought the cup would get a laugh for me. <laughs> So here Joan is, chilling. Imagine I'm chilling in a cabana, just hanging out, right? Look what, the, look what it says. Jonah goes out, sits down at a place east of the city, and there he makes himself a shelter, sits in its shade, waits to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God, look at this, provides a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to his head, and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about this plant. Look at him. He thinks he's got it together now. So those cabanas are about five, six grand a day just for the cabana. Jonah's chilling. Pardon me. A little thirsty. So I, th I don't think I should desecrate the table by putting this down on it, should I?
responsible. Principle number three, or dynamic number three, God may send a storm to get your attention. Again, let's be metaphorical here. Jonah gets a real storm, but sometimes when we start running from God, God will try to get our attention, and it may feel unfair, but what we need to know is how are we going to respond to the circumstances. Watch what happens to Jonah. But at dawn, the next day, we get problems with the cabana. God provided a worm. This is hilarious. I hope you see the humor here. This is just hilarious, which chewed the plant so that it withered. So Jonah's got it going on for one day, but the cabana gig is up. Okay, and next, next happens is God sends a worm. The worm kills the plant. Okay, so the plant withers and dies. The sun rises up, and look what God does next. God sends a scorched east wind coming hot off the desert, bang, 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 on the east side so the ground over here has had a chance to warm up before it gets to blowing hot air across him. Blazes on Jonah's head. The boy's about to pass out. All right? He still wants to die. It'd be better for me to die than to live. And once again, God says, is it oh, right for you? This time, Jonah's first angry about people. Now he's, now he's focused it all on the plan. Jonah, it's so much about Jonah. He focused all of this bitterness now on the plan. Is it right for you to be angry about this plan? Or said differently, Jonah, do you have a clue about what's going on with me and what's going on around here? And Jonah, look what he does. Yeah, it is. He said, I'm so angry, once again, I wish I were dead. And this helps us to see yet another dynamic going on in our relationship with God and God's requests of us, God's sending us to do things. It's, it goes like this. When we don't do what God wants us to do, we end, up, we end up hurting people. And what Jonah has done here is really not an act of commission. It's an act of omission. He's not done what God wanted him to do, and therefore people get left out. God was going to use him to help some people hear about how God loves them, and Jonah just didn't do it. That means some people didn't hear it. It's always the case that we're going to do stuff we shouldn't do and hurt people, or we're not going to do stuff we should have done and we're going to hurt people. All of it is stuff that we, we know that we've been asked by God to do, and that's where Jonah is. Jonah, you had compassion for a plant, but not my people. See, Jesus, when he entered Jerusalem on the week that he, got, he was uh, executed, he stands out the, outside the city and he weeps for the people. And then when he's on the cross, Luke, that's Luke 19, Luke 24, when he's on the cross, he says, forgive them. They don't have a clue about what they're doing. That's God's mercy. This is the way that, this, this is the, way the thing ends. It's kind of funny. We're in verse 10. There's 11 verses in Jonah 4. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot, who cannot tell their right from their left, which means they don't have a clue. That's Jesus talking about people not knowing what they're doing. And then this hilarious end line. Look at the last thing. And also many animals. What is that? I don't know. I'm just here to tell you I don't know. But I, I think what that means is that the, the text is making fun on playful way and irony of, of Jonah who doesn't get it. But we don't want to leave there this way. Friends, you, if you'd like to, try. Try to engage your bitterness. Run with it. 
At first, there's a little baby girl. There she goes. We're leaving here this morning thinking about forgiveness and thinking about bitterness. This is what I want to suggest to you to do. Engage your bitterness. Run with it as hard as you can. And here's what I think is true about me. At first, it's satisfying. Right in my mind, I imagine I'm just getting nuked. And then I sit on it, and I like it. But after a while, fantasizing payback sort of drifts to eroding my capacity for caring about people. What happens is I enlarge self-pity when I sit down on top of bitterness. That's what happens to me. And sooner or later, I just, it just self-pity and bitterness just drain me, drain us from being able to enjoy people, enjoy relationships. I said it before and I'll say it again. When I hold bitterness on someone else, uh, against someone else, what that's like is me drinking poison and hoping you get sick. It means you're giving another person free rent in your head. And what we do instead is we focus on who God is and what God has done. Jonah can't take it, but you can and I can. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on what, who God is, which is loving, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love that never ends. And we're, that's who God is. And what, God, what has God done? He made us. We're made in his image. He's redeemed us, put us right again with himself, and he will later on put everything all back together again, and it's going to be awesome. It's not about us. It's about God, and we're getting on it. We get in on this great deal. So I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you right now. Who is your one? What I mean by that is who is the person who you hold, for whom you hold bitterness? Who is it? And what I'm going to suggest to us this morning, I'm going to suggest to us that we need to let it go. Just a quick, a quick example. This past week, in three different settings, I and the people I was with have talked about Jonah 4 and forgiveness. The first one was Tuesday morning in the First Press staff meeting. And we kicked it around. And we just, people quickly, because we've built some authenticity, we've built some vulnerability, we've built some transparency on purpose with intentionality. And we said, who, who's got something inside themselves having read uh, Jonah 4? And bing, 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 bing. We had time for about three or four. And what happened is it's, it's an in-law. It's a parent who abandoned us. It's a, a, a former spouse. It's a colleague in business who lied and cheated and stole and got caught and got arrested, but devastated me financially. And that was three different groups. It was Tuesday morning with the staff. We did it again with the senior leaders of the church, the session. And we did it on Thursday morning with our men's life group, kicking this stuff around because on purpose, we're building real relationships with each other so that our real relationships with God can change. And nobody forced to say anything, but here we had this authentic conversation of, without using names. No one really knew who the names were. And every person in the room had someone inside themselves against which they held bitterness. And all of us on this journey to releasing it. It's, it Jonah needs a life group. So do you. So do I. Because when we have real relationships with each other, then we end up with real transformation in our lives. This is, we don't do this alone. But back to the point. As we think about what it means to be forgiven, as we think about the, God's mercy, God's mercy means he did not hold us accountable in the end for what our lives have been like. He forgave us, and he loves us.
who is it? Who, who's your one? And as you have a popsicle and watch the bounce house, here, here's what you want to do. It, remind, reminding you that forgiving someone has nothing to do with reconciliation of the relationship and has nothing to do with trust in the future. It just means you let it go. You may also work on reconciliation, but that's a second step. The first step is just letting it go. And there's nobody in the room that doesn't have it. And there's, nobody, there's nothing special about being hurt and about having been wronged unfairly. But what doesn't work well is keeping it inside. And so, not like Jonah, this, this story is a cliffhanger. Look how it ends. And what the reason it ends that way, and with this funny line about animals, is this. We don't get a resolution with Jonah. And you're being asked, which side am I going to play on? Would the story ends in such a way as to hold a mirror up to you and me and say, we don't know what happened to Jonah, but you have a choice. I have a choice. Am I going to fight with God and be angry because God is loving or am I going to surrender my bitterness and live in close proximity to my friends and to God? That's the question that you and I have together. It's, it's illustrated by this table here. I'm going to ask Kathy to come up and join me. This is, represents for us Jesus' body. The cup, which is grape juice, represents Jesus' blood. If there are two elders who are going to join us, those elders could come up now. And the ushers are going to come, not yet. There's a, is there another elder? Oh, there he is. So Baxter and David, if you'll come stand right here. What we're going to do, friends, is this. I'm going to remind us in just a second of, how this, of, how, of what this is about. But the ushers are going to send you up and tell you when to come. And you'll just come and take the bread and dip it in the cup. The cup is grape juice. There's gluten-free here. There's bread otherwise. And we're going to... We're going to encounter forgiveness. We're going to encounter mercy. You're not, and I'm not, being held in account, held to account with God because of breaking the speed limit. In fact, I've been set free. That's what's going on here. This is Jesus' body. It's been broken for you and me on the cross. And what this means is it's the certainty that you are forgiven. This is Jesus' blood spilled on that cross. And it's the absolute assurance that transformation is available to you and me. Focus not on self. Focus not on even the other who's hurt. We focus on God, who God is, and what God has done. And the next thing you know, we release bitterness and we become transformed people. Friends, these are the gifts of God. You and I, we are the sons and daughters, the people of God. Feed on Jesus Christ and do it with profound gratitude.
gracious God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that we're forgiven. Help us to focus not on ourselves but on you. Help us to release any anger we may have, any, even at you, that you could love somebody who's done wrong, hurt us, cheated us, lied to us, stolen from us, betrayed us, abandoned us. In fact, gracious God, you have forgiven us, and therefore when we focus on you with gratitude, we become people who release bitterness maybe also then later on reconciling, but for sure letting go of the poison that's inside. When we do that, people around us can tell. It makes a difference. It's how we can grow the footprint of your love in our world by releasing our bitterness into your hands. Thank you, gracious God, that you make us into new people and that we get to live with the enthusiasm, the excitement, the energy, and the calm compassion of people who have first been forgiven. Make us into forgivers. All this in Jesus' name. Friends, let me invite you to stand as we sort of outro. And then remember, go play on the bout hat. 20. And then get a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs>